But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian. And joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. Hello. Your co-host, Julie. Hi there. Your co-host, Thorsten. Hello. <laughs> and, your, and your co-host, Jacob. No one would have believed in the last years of the 19th century that this world was being watched keenly and closely by intelligences greater than man's. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> what, is, <laughs> what is that from? What is that from? War of the Worlds. You don't know? It's It's been so long. <laughs> it's, that, that's the opening line to War of the Worlds. I read it in middle school. <laughs> Do you know how long ago middle school was for me? <laughs> I, I, I have an estimate, yes. <laughs> <laughs> long, I mean, long, I mean, David, long. if someone paid me to do that, I genuinely would. I love the book. <clears throat> I love the... What was it? The the the, the mid nineties strategy game, War of the Worlds, with the amazing soundtrack. What was that one? Uh, that there was, was a lot of good World of the World stuff. Anyways, let's carry on. Uh, anyway, topic. Topic. Uh, hello, my friends. Before we get to our topic, just a quick aside. We're gonna be talking about. We're gonna probably be talking about a lot of story based games today. Uh, and as such, we will probably spoil some things. So if you're averse to spoilers, maybe don't listen to this one. If you're like super averse to spoilers, maybe, or, or just hover over that skip button, you know, that 30 seconds, like hover, have your hand hovering over that skip button. If you want to listen, cause we're going to probably be talking or if about you're on stream strategically mute the uh, strategic, uh, tell us in chat, strategically mute the stream and we'll tell you when we're done. Yeah, or like, yeah, if you feel, if you if you hear a game that we're about to talk about that you haven't played yet, and you don't want to be spoiled for it, <laughs> uh, anyway. We won't mind if you tune out. It's okay. Yeah, yeah it's we're, fine. We're not going to lose any sleep over it. Nope. You know. Yeah. So this topic came about when I recently tried to play Outer Wilds. If you're not familiar with Outer Wilds, it is a space exploration game where you play a uh, astronaut in a, a fairly young spacefaring species um where the day it, it's a, it has a groundhog day kind of thing where it gets reset every day except you remember for whatever reason you remember the loops um i tried like groundhog day like groundhog day i tried to play i tried to play it and within an hour i was getting this Horrible feeling of existential dread. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? Oh, no, that's normal. Yeah, apparently, I'm not the only one that's felt that way. I've never felt that way. Sorry, that is entirely intended. Sorry. I, I, if it's intended, kudos to them because they succeeded. I've never felt that way in any game before. And so, Julie came up with the idea why don't we talk about that games that made us feel things like that or other things in a podcast. It's a great idea. It's a great topic. Um, so today we're going to talk about games that, you know, a lot of games make us feel an adrenaline rush. That's kind of what games do. They make us feel excited. But there are other games that make us feel something wholly different, whether it's terror, fear, dread, awe, what have you. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Games that made us feel different things. And, uh, like we could start like uh, the rest for the co-host. Have you guys also played Outer Wilds at all? Got it. Haven't played it yet. I didn't play it. Yeah, I, I played it to not. near completion. Okay. So, well, with three out of five, I feel like we you might know what to delve into, into detail. De- de- details. No, you can. You feel you, free to spoil it. Because, yeah, feel you know. free. I am not going to play any more of it. Go ahead. <laughs> I. I uh, I uninstalled it. Uh, as, I, I mean, I part of me says I'm not go- wants to say I'm not going to, but also I have the least to like. This is your topic, Brian. So, uh. no, it's all, it's it's all of ours. So yeah, if you, if like so, you feel that uh, the accidental dread is a part part and parcel of the design of the game, basically. Yes, very much intended uh, part of kind of the message of it. 
Uh, maybe not the message, but the general theming of it. Uh, I, if I see, you're not going to details because you don't know. I, I'm not going to details because I don't know how to explain things. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. It, it looks like a very, it, it does seem very unique in, in how it presents a lot of things. And I did appreciate how much love and care, you know, went into crafting this solar system. But my God, I, I, I think, I think what I noped out is when I landed on a comet and I was sliding around and I almost slid off the comet and I know you can teleport your ship to you and whatnot, but th that feeling of almost sliding off the comet was like, yeah, I'm done. That feels like the most dreadful thing <laughs> in any game is sliding off a comet. Uh, so that, that's what stopped me in that game. And I'm on this comet all by myself, feeling more alone than I've ever felt in my life. And I like being alone, typically. I'm an introvert. I, I get, I recharge by being alone. You know what I mean? Um, but like there was something about it feeling this alone that just made me feel anxiety in my, like, I don't know if you guys have anxiety, but intense anxiety for me manifests as this tight feeling in my chest. And that's exactly what I feel. <laughs> I'm like, I can't be doing this to myself. <laughs> I stopped. <laughs> and I'm sad about it because apparently it's an amazing story, but I can't let myself feel that way constantly. I'll have a heart attack <laughs> and I will die. <laughs> but, uh, I, I do want to say, I think games have a harder job of making us feel things than books or movies because you know, they're, they're linear, they're set, you know, games are a lot more work. And so I think we have to give kudos to the games that make us feel certain things because they have a much harder job ahead of, they have a much harder job. You know, like what if we don't turn right when we're supposed to turn right? What if we turn left and we never get to that set piece that makes us feel a certain way, you know? So... I got to give kudos to any developer who can make a game that makes us feel something, <laughs> you know what I mean? That makes us feel connected to that world that we're in enough that we feel something, you know? Um, so I wanted to start the topic off uh, by talking about Starflight because this is the first time a game made me feel anything but like the adrenaline rush that a game typically makes you feel. And this is, if you haven't played Starflight, folks, this is a heavy spoiler. Um, and if you've heard me say this story before, I apologize, but I'm going to say it again. So in Starflight, you're in this section of the universe where the sun, where certain, yeah, Starflight's in the background. That's why I put it there. Um, you're, in, you're in this part of the universe. You're in this galaxy where every now and then a sun goes out and you're not, you're trying to find out why the suns are going out. And um, part of your uh, journey, part of your investigation talks about, you find out things about the so-called ancients. This entire time, you are running on a fuel called Endurium, which is less funny than this morning's, what was it, Ironium? What was, was, it, was that stupid metal name from the, from the game this morning? Ironium. Oh, my God. It just took, it just took iron and added to the end of it, which, so this was Endorium, which is almost as stupid. Um, but your ship ran on this and, uh, you had to go back and you had to buy it and everything. So, but you, it was this kind of this black coal like substance, if I recall correctly. And at one point you're on this planet and you find out that the ancients that they've been talking about this whole time are Endorium. So you've been basically burning the ancients for fuel this entire time. The entire time you've been playing the game, you've basically been killing this sentient species that kind of lives just a little bit outside of our like dimension. And so they manifest as these rocks that we use to, for, for fuel. And so even when you find that out, you're not done. You're not finished the game. 
to save the universe, you got to keep burning this fuel <laughs> to, uh, and you have to live with yourself afterwards. Exactly. You have to keep burning this fuel to save the universe. And the way it was presented was in such a nonchalant, like text log that you find on some random planet. And I just remember staring at it for what seemed like forever going, what? I was 13 when that game came out. And I don't think anything has hit, had, hit, has, had hit me like that. Like, I don't think there'd be, I don't think I'd seen anything with a twist like that up to that point. <laughs> um, so, whoa. Oh, sorry. It's okay. So that when when we talked when when this topic uh was first um when this topic was first uh suggested, that's the first thought I had was Starflight and how it was probably the first game that made me feel something like that. Like because I I played a lot of games up to that point, but they'd all been like, you know, arcade games, and that's like a quick adrenaline thrill, and then you're done, you know. Um, but this was something I'd invested hundreds of hours in to find out, wow, I'm killing these people and I have to keep killing them. <laughs> this is terrible. Enjoy. Yeah. It's, have fun with the rest of the game. Um, thanks guys. That was, that was great. So I wanted to put this to the, to you guys, to the panel. I guess we're a panel to the panel. Um, can you guys remember the first game that made you feel Something it could be anything. It could be dread. It could be, um, could be anything different than the typical video game. Like, can you guys remember what the first game that made you feel something different was for you? You know, does that does that make sense? Is that as a question? Yeah, uh, I got an answer, an interesting one. Go for it. I've got. It's a game that both both I found. Fascinating and terrifying at the same time, and here's why. Back when I was young and everybody else says, Oh, what do you want to be? I want a fireman. Oh, what do you want to be? I want a nurse. What do you want to be, Julio? I want to be an oceanographer like Jacques Cousteau. What? Huh? So I've always had this great love for the sea, right? <clears throat> On the other hand, uh, because of an event in my life I won't get into, I have autophobia really bad. This doesn't mean I'm afraid of 57 Chevys. It's this fear of being alone, right? And, oh, okay. Uh, and I had a, a friend who was, God rest his soul, uh, a horror author, and I used to work late at night in my office, you know, over time, and he would call me and talk about how, well, you know, this is kind of a little trope for horror authors, the person working alone in the office, and then some, I said, thanks, not no no more, Tyrone, thanks. Uh, but the game that came out that I, I saw this when it, when it first came out in early release, and I said, this is a beautiful game, and it's Subnautica. And I loved the game, but it just sets my PTSD off big time. Oh, wow. And so I'm kind of like, I, I, I can't stop playing it, but 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 this kind of sets everything off. So it's like, uh, unlike a lot of people, I don't feel recharged by being alone. I'm kind of like, oh boy, here we are again. It's gotten better over the years, but you know, when you're young and somebody sticks a knife in your back. So that's all. It's uh that was my first one where I said, wow, this is great. I want to play it, but I hate playing it. <laughs> was it a specific that's incident? I'm oh, sorry. Um, what? what was it a specific what incident? What I was going to say is, while you had it worse than average, this is a surprisingly common uh, uh, common trend with uh, Subnautica. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, it's like sometimes people who know me really well forget, you know, and you know, like my sister will say, oh, hey, let's go to the movies. I want to see this new movie called Castaway. Uh, it's about someone stuck in a desert island for five years. Yeah, sure, I'll go see it with you. I'll keep my eyes closed. But it was such a beautiful game. I played it through anyway and then uninstalled it. And, and now, never looked back. 
and never looked back except for now they've come out with a new one and i first before the the company changed hands this uh subnautica below zero you know and it's like oh hey there's another character in the game and then they rewrote the whole thing entirely and took the character out and i said wow that really stinks oof Now, I was going to ask about Subnautica because I tried to play Subnautica and I couldn't do it. Um, was there something specifically that made you feel that way? Like something that happened in the game or was it just the general feel well, of the game see, itself? There's two things <laughs> that make me feel both ways. It's the fact that see, most of the time when you have a submarine game and uh, keep in mind the military, I was what they call, I, I was in the army, but I've always had this fascination with submarines and it's like, wow, here's a game where it's like, you actually get to be in this little submarine. It's like being Jean Cousteau, right? And the fascination with it was when you see like the coral reefs in the game. And I said, this is amazing. But then as you go through the game and you get these messages from people who like are you final layers that yeah, they're dead. They came down here and more, the, one by one, you hear all these little messages that were left. And it's like you get to the point where you say, yes, I'm all alone on an entire world and there is no one out there, which is why when I first played Subnautica Below Zero and was like, hey, you can talk to someone in orbit. And then they came along and we did said, ah, we're going to take that person out. I said, oh, crap. And then it's like, oh, but hey, there's this little spirit that possesses you. And I'm kind of like, well, okay, at least it's company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does anybody else have a first game they can recall that made them feel something like that? Yeah, actually two. Uh, but the feeling was very different. Uh, uh, was the original elite and uh, and uh, Nova Chance uh, mercenary? That was the first. So that were the first two games. I really uh, let's put it that way. Uh, that really dragged me completely in. I was the character that uh, uh, that uh, was active. That played uh, that played the game. Yes and. Uh, that was an emotional, a very emotional experience uh, for me. Now, mercenary, you're talking about the the eight bit. Uh, yeah, right. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I, I I played that many years ago. I yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about because I played it too. I never beat it, but actually, no, I did beat it once, just once. Trying to get off the planet. Right. That, it, it was a completely different experience to anything I've, I've played before. Uh, the other, the, all the other games uh, I've played before were uh, standard uh, 2D uh, action games and uh, occasionally, uh, uh, eventually, uh, one of the early simulations, but uh, especially Mercenary dragged me so much in with its, uh, at least to try to simulate uh, something like a world. And uh, that was different to, to anything I've, I've, I've experienced before. And it left uh, in, and it left it uh, some, some, uh, some kind of impression. Let's put it that way. Yeah. If you know, you know, if you played it, you absolutely would know. I have not. So a little over my head, <laughs> but you know, one cannot play everything. So that's true. That's very true. Um, as did we get to yours? Did we, uh, well, there's one I can mention that really stood out. I mean, there, there've been a few over the years, you know, because well, played a lot of RPGs. So therefore you, of course you can hit a lot of story beats and, and uh, 
get a lot of emotional moments in those, but one that you probably wouldn't have played unless you had a Sega Saturn is a game called Enemy Zero. Have you heard of this game? I may have mentioned it on the podcast before. No. Okay. So let me lay out the the concept of the game. You are on a ship. There is a xenomorph of some kind that is hunting the humans on this ship. Except it is invisible. You have a way of detecting it. You wear a headset. Headphones. Literally headphones. Because depending on its proximity to you, you will hear beeps on the left or right side of your headset, indicating the direction of where this thing is in relation to you. If you hear the beeps on both sides, it's in front of you. That's the only way to know where it is and approximately how close it is to you. You have a gun that can shoot it, but it requires a few seconds to charge up before it can actually fire. And if you miss you're probably going to die. It's kind of like what they did with Alien Isolation later. It has a lot of that's the same sort of story beats of you're trying to evade, you're trying to, to, trying to hide. You can hide in certain rooms. You can, you can hide not necessarily in lockers, but you're trying to find out how to kill this thing. And then you find out there are more of them. And the terror of that is pretty significant for a game of its time. Yeah, that sounds like a big N.O. from me. Obviously, <laughs> it, it hits everything you would you would nope out on. Yeah, just you describing it, it's like, oh, God, oh, God, I want to rip my headphones off right now and run out of the room and just go away. <laughs> just you describing it, it's like, ah, no, 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 no. I'm really glad my mic was muted right then. <laughs> I just uh, I just take uh, have taken a look at the uh, page on on, uh, on Moby Games and uh, I'm really surprised I've never heard of this game before. This looks very interesting for its time. Yeah, for it's for on its the time. Dreamcast, or am I looking at the wrong one? Uh, it, it may have been also on the Dreamcast. Enemy uh, Zero, I. Yeah, Enemy Zero. Uh, all right, so think, okay, yeah, it came out in nineteen. 19- yeah, it was originally on the Sega Saturn, then came out on the PC a year after, looking at the Wikipedia, Wikipedia page. Yeah. Uh, it's... I played it on Saturn. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, yeah, it's... I have to, it, I have to say, it, it is... It is terrifying because you can't see the alien. So it's all in your head as to what it actually looks like. Uh, <laughs> exactly. And, and exactly why Brian will never, ever play it. Okay. Uh, sounds like either a very good or very bad sell, but depending entirely on your audience. Yeah, no, no, thank you. No, uh, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have the feeling I couldn't sleep if, if, uh, I'll, see you, I'll see you later uh, have a good day everyone we gotta go we are speed running the podcast let's just, go I'm just gonna start playing the closing music now just you know, just, one, so of the best, <laughs> one of the best things about an enemy you don't see is it's like the Hitchcock films. You can always imagine something worse. Think about psycho when that blood is swirling down the drain. I have not taken a shower with by myself in house anywhere since. Yeah. That could have that reaction just because. Well, oh yeah. Yeah. It makes total sense. Yeah. No. Uh, when I was four, my uncle took me to see both Jaws and Winnie the Pooh on the same day. <laughs> and I didn't what go. What <laughs> and, and, and that probably explains a few things for people. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't go near any kind of water for at least a year after that. Like, I didn't even go to a pool. 
Like if if the family went to the beach, I'd stay on the boardwalk, you know, for at least a year. I didn't even go near water. <laughs> okay. I understand that. That was four. <laughs> you shouldn't sew jaws to a four-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a bad idea for several reasons. <laughs> it's a terrible idea, but that's trauma. Bad. What trauma? <laughs> that's the people I grew up with. <laughs> anyway, um, Shoga, did you have a game that you wanted to talk about that kind of fit this mold? Uh, that kind of well, the first one it's hard to say because there are like. I tend to not get too emotional over games, or rather, not over games, but over people playing them. If things, if things do get emotional, that is to say, I get horrendously toxic. But that's not relevant to the conversation. <laughs> what is relevant to the conversation is there aren't that many games that really make me feel things. But there was one that actually came out recent. Oh, hold on, I need, to, I need to phrase what is recently. Uh in okay, twenty fifteen. So it's not that old. You know what? In 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 video game terms, that is a that is an eon. That is that is. Yeah, that, I understand. We're talking about Mesozoa. We're going back. <laughs> what happened to twenty fifteen? Ten years and, ago is considered a classic. So, <laughs> yeah, your mileage may vary. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I I did mention already. I know I'm freaking twenty one and all, but I do feel it. But I do feel a decade older than that myself, probably because. Ah, whatever, not the topic for this. Uh, so, the game I wanted to mention was Undertale. I don't know how many people, uh, how many of you have played it. It is yeah. a very specific kind of game. Uh, okay. Here's, okay, here's a title you might, uh, you might know. Ha- has anyone here pr- played Earthbound? Yes. Okay, you. Anyone else? Is, Me not. Is that the Nintendo, nope. is that the Nintendo game? Yes. Yeah. I've heard of it. I know people who... Speak about it with hushed tones, like it's this. It's, it's this amazing, like oh god, Earthbound. Oh, you know? <laughs> it is. I'll get to that. So, uh, Undertale, Undertale is essentially an Earthbound-like thing that is kind of well. In terms of gameplay, it's combining a JRPG in the style of uh, Shin Megami Tensei. With a top-down, uh, with a top-down bullet hell. <laughs> oh, okay, it, it is an interesting mix. I will say that much. It works surprisingly well. Basically, it, but basically, its gimmick is its gimmick, shall I say, is is uh, is you meet a bunch of freaking fancier, uh, um, fancier uh, game monsters, well, monsters in the game, where they all have their own gimmicks and personalities and so on. And you can either, and you can either freaking figure out a way to interact with them and befriend them, or just murder them. And the game is—it uh, takes offense with you murdering them, slightly, huh. because only uh, slightly. Slight. Okay, let me. All right. It is the one game that commits the most to basically moral choices. In that, if you if you decide to go all in on being the most reprehensible human being you can, you're playing a different game from everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> you genuinely, you genuinely go on a murderous rampage. Especially as the way typically people typically played it was, they started off with like the normal route. Uh, then they got the quote-unquote best route because it's typically locked behind completing a bunch of specific objectives that you won't find on the first one. So you get so you get to learn, uh, learn, spare, and l- know all these fun characters and interact with them and learn who they are. And then, because you want to complete the game at 100%, because you're a completionist, you're a gamer, you try to uh, go for a third place where you murder everyone. It is... The game rubs in just how messed up this is very very well oh so uh so at the end you just wipe out the whole uh you just wipe out the whole now here's the thing uh we've already established spoilers so i'm just going to go for it yeah go ahead one of the things you uh, one of the things that happens is at the beginning uh is at the beginning uh you give your character a name and of course most people will go for their own name and then discover that the character uh is, and, the, and then discover that the character you are actually playing is not that name. They're a different name. And you are actually not playing someone relevant to that at all. 
And then at the end of the uh, of the like murder playthrough, you tear down everyone. You win the game, go through one of the hardest bosses in the hit, like straight up a Toho boss who is impossible to defeat. Well, not impossible, but extremely difficult. Uh, but extremely difficult to defeat. You take down everyone, and then you stand in front of a in front of a person that introduces themselves with presumably your own name, congratulating you for all of this. Yeah, uh, that's how much it took for a game to make me feel emotionally destroyed, but it succeeded. <laughs> wow. Holy shit! Yeah, wow. it succeeded. <laughs> Oh god! Spaz, you also played this one. I I know of the ending. Oh okay. Um, yeah, it's a it's a mind screw. Ooh, very much a mind screw. It's be- wait. All right, spec ops the line. Yeah, spec ops the line. Yeah, on the exact same topic. Holy hell! I basically I, yes. the exact. Yes, that was one of the games I wanted to mention. Flaws yours. Flaws yours. Go for it. No, no, uh, continue. Uh, okay. Right, right. So, do re- I have played it way back when, and I le- remember it much worse than Undertale, so if I do miss anything, remind me, please, Tolsten. But, in essence, it's, uh... Okay, okay, that might, that one you must know. It's essentially uh, a modernized game, heavily styled after Apocalypse Now, and, uh... What was it called? Uh, the Core of Darkness, I believe. Heart of Darkness. Heart of Darkness was. Heart of Darkness, sorry. Uh, localization. Uh, uh, yeah, Heart of Darkness, which is about you playing a uh, a first-person shooter uh, protagonist. Uh, David, if it's in your backlog, go. Go go leave. I'll tell you when I'm done, please. Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. You don't want to hear this. So, you really don't want to hear this. So essentially, it's a game where you play... The Mr. Shooter protagonist, uh, who is, you know, his his two personalities are are his, you know, high speed, low drag, knows a lot of guns, and is killing uh insurgents. Trademarked in a nondescript Middle Eastern country, because of course. Uh the thing is, the game decides to take an interesting approach to that by showing you exactly just how. Like, it's essentially kind of a meta story on how utterly uncritical uh, people have become of, like, storylines in, in first-person shooters and how everyone just casually accepts, you know, stories about America rolling into a place with a bunch of soldiers gunning down the locals and claiming they're saving the day. While also, you know, replicating Heart of Darkness and showing off exactly what the hell everything you're doing uh, is, is causing. And... Oh. Then you meet people who are even more screwed up than you, who uh, have all come here before and uh, became honest with what they're doing here. Shall we? Shall we say? Oh God! So let me let me jump in at this point. Go ahead. There is a there is an yeah uh, <laughs> uh, yeah the David the point you were just about to say that's the point I was just about to bring up. Go ahead. There's a point. I know what, you are ahead. defending a point. You are under attack, and you decide to deploy white phosphorus against the enemy. From an AC-130. From an AC-130, yeah, yeah. And you have, you have at this defense point, you've also got grenades and mortars and whatnot. You're, you're throwing that all at the enemy. Except that the white phosphorus you use hits a bunch of civilians, and you're walking through the aftermath of that. Oh no! Yeah, horrible oh. scene. Oh god, yeah. not fun. Uh, yeah. you want to? You want to? Uh, you know what? Why phosphorus does to the people? Because I do, and I wish I didn't. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to know. It's it's supposed to make you think about the the consequences of how in a lot of games uh, we just kind of shrug it off. As gamers, we just shrug off this notion of, well, this is what the game wants us to do. And so we do it because we're just kind of 
to use the phrase, just following orders. You know, this is what the game wants us to do. This is the objective. This is what we need to do. So you can't progress until you've completed the objective. It doesn't matter in a in a philosophical sense, it doesn't matter that the objective is a horrifying one that, you know, thousands of NPCs have just died. But it puts it right in your face that you are not necessarily the good guy. You are the protagonist, but you are not necessarily a good person. Which is worth kind of mentioning the original, and by the original, I mean uh, Heart of Darkness itself. Because I, I, f- I feel like it's a book that needs bringing up. I, I don't know how many people both here and in chat have read it and are familiar with it. Is it, uh, is it what, apo- I've not read it. Is it what uh, uh, the movie Apocalypse Now is based on, if I'm remembering yes. correctly? Yes, very directly. Yeah. Uh, but basically it's about a, uh, I believe it's British entrepreneur shall we say, going on a uh, going on a voyage via steamboat into uh, through a river in Congo, in Belgian Congo, in the early in the late 1800s. Uh, and he goes through the place witnessing just how uh, unpleasantly the locals are treated by the, the Belgian the Belgian government and the landowners in the area. It's a uh, gets yeah, it gets pretty heinous. Rather severely, in fact. Oh. Uh, and in the end, and in the end, they meet uh the man whose name eludes me, the man who's like in charge of the whole operation. Uh what was his name? Damn it. Uh <laughs> I can't remember, unfortunately. <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember too. Not Pemberton. I'll have to check because I need to. Uh, Kurt. Yes, man named Kurt. Uh, who, again, is basically the business owner of the business owner and the owner of the local area who has made himself into an emperor. Well, kind of. He's made himself into an emperor, forced the locals to worship him, but when we meet him, uh, he is very steadily dying of some kind of tropical disease as... A lot of people did in the area, unsurprisingly. Uh, and basically, w- what we go through is a recollection, basically an idea. Yeah, it was Kurt in the book. Uh, it was also Kurt in the book. Uh, we go through the fact that basically he thinks he's doing the right thing. And everyone, like, back home, like, we are basically, like, he's basically hyped up for the whole book as this brilliant man uh as this brilliant man this brilliant entrepreneur this philanthropist bringing civilization to the deep congo jungle and we meet him basically in a like royal temple a broken man who's dying of some some disease and whose last words before uh, whose last words before passing away are the horror the horror the man dies in fear of what he's created hmm I just wanted to bring that as a cultural context to the rest of the story. Yeah. I mean, for some people, well, for me at least, uh, having played through Spec Ops, uh, I played through to completion, and wow, that was a gun punch. Because if you don't feel something after playing that, after having played through it, there's something wrong with you. I I admit I never I've tried playing I've tried playing it twice and I think the furthest I've gotten is maybe half an hour in it just felt so it made my skin crawl playing that game like just from jump it made my skin crawl playing that game so I never I never got far because I'm like I I don't think I can do this (laughs) that's entirely fair I I I tried twice because I kept hearing how amazing as an experience it is and how there's like no other game like it before or since. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's for a stream. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, uh, I don't think it would be. You, uh, you, 
you'd nope out. It it sounds so it just it just I can't even put my finger on what was so uncomfortable about it. It it just made me want to shower after playing like 20 30 minutes of it. Like I got to get out of this. Wash myself off. <laughs> um I- I'm still surprised that I could uh, complete the game, to be honest, uh, from uh, some personal experiences. And uh, that makes me uh, to mention another game that made me really feel uh, feel dread, yes. And that was the original uh, uh, Operation Flashpoint. Uh, Especially the first mission. uh, Oh, God, right. I did play that. When you, yeah, when uh, especially yeah. the first mission when you when you are uh, uh, out there and uh, have no real, real. Uh, uh, let's put it that way. You don't know what what to do. Yes, and uh, then, and then you are getting getting shot at. Yet, yes, and uh, you don't know where the fire comes from. Uh, that's that's uh, like uh, like says the. Uh, Unseen enemy uh, we mentioned before, and uh, it brought back some memories for me. Uh, to put it to put it uh, mildly, uh, I uh, said, "Yeah, uh, that's uh, it's it's not a, it's it's not a nice feeling to uh, to uh, to uh, to experience that uh, to say at least." Uh, yeah, I remember. I, 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 had, I, I nearly, I nearly had to stop to, to play this game. Uh, I, on the other hand, I think it helped me a bit to, to cope with some with 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 with, with some things. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I um, yeah, I I played a lot of Operation Flashpoint when it first came out because it was so compelling, and I remember those first moments where it was just terrifying because you don't really know what's going on. Not sure what to do next. (laughs) And that's the kind of game where it's one shot, one kill (laughs) and that's it. Um, Oh God. Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's the prequel to the armor series, which I would like to interject if I can, because I have played a lot of armor three. And I just remembered, uh, like, how, when I started off, how it was, uh, you know, realizing, hey, this is what actual combat looks like. There's something, six, there's something a kilometer away from you that's trying to kill you. You point your gun at it, you pull the trigger until it stops, and hope it won't start again. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh... That's another reason. That's, I couldn't play that one either. I tried. Because it's got so many amazing mods, you know, and uh, so much amazing content, and I'm 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 playing it. I'm like, this is too. I get way too into whatever I'm playing, so I'm like, this is too tense. I can feel I can feel my shoulders just aching because I'm so tensed up right now. I gotta stop. <laughs> I have uh, three parts, small parts of three different games. I'd like to bring up small sure, parts. Sure, sure. <clears throat> and they generate terror, calm, and fury. Okay. And the first one, and it's not the whole game, which is why I didn't say the first game that gave me feels because it's like only the one small part of the game, but it's one of the first games I played because I played it when it first came out, and that was World of Warcraft, but it was just this one quest. Now, keep in mind, I, like a lot of people, have arachnophobia. And um, there's this part. Hello. Hello. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, two out of five. <laughs> and there's, don't mention cookies, no. <laughs> there's this one part. Oh, God. Yes, if you've got arachnophobia, shut off the computer for about two minutes. Um, the... It's in the Outland, and it's just one quest that does this. And it's in a place called Terracar Forest. And you meet this woman that says, hey, I need some help in the adjoining area, right? And 
And it's like, sure. So what do you say? Ah, well, it's just help killing a mouse. Do you think you're going to go out there and it's going to kill something that's about six feet tall? It's a spider twice the size of the house I'm in. Uh, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, and I, and just like, I just turned off the computer. The other one is people know that I get along with EVE Online like oil and water because I played it for six years. But ironically, that's the game that made me also the calmest because people would always say, oh, my God, the mining is so boring. And I say, you know what? I've got a really high stress job. And so at the time I would just come home and fly out to the to the ore fields and just listen to the lasers hum as they pull them mm. out the ore. And it's very zen. And the, the last one was Fury, Absolute Fury, and it was part of Fallout 4. And I don't know if I've mentioned it or not, but it was when, and I know a lot of people didn't like the game when it first came out, and I have a tendency to wait for the game to have been out for a year and then say, yeah, it seems fine to me. That's because they fixed it, Julie. And so <laughs> you start out by helping all these settlers settle all these settlements and start out all these trade routes and everything's fine. And then one day this huge armored Zeppelin comes flying over the area and it's the Brotherhood of Steel. And they say, well, you know, we need some supplies. So, why don't you just go down and get it from the settlers and just take it? And if they argue, kill them. And I say, you bastards. And so I turned on God mode and killed everybody. <laughs> Lovely. And this and I said, not my settlers, because otherwise a lot of them are called are essential and you, you can't kill them. So I just said, I'm going to set everybody to non-essential and I'm going to kill everybody in the Brother of Steel. I said, not my settlers there. Have a nice time. And so, the, <laughs> but that just like, just absolute fury. I said, you bastards. I'm the second generation off the farm. Not my farmers. So <laughs> that's the game that made me feel absolute, just pure raw fury. And I it wasn't nice, but I had to do something about it. Yeah, I I tried playing Fallout 4 and I couldn't do it because um I like it as a looter shooter with aspirations. <laughs> like 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 Mazgrom makes it best. Like there seems there's no way to play it nice. And that's what I always want to do is play it nice. And it looks like you just can't be a nice person in that game. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe this is mostly isn't because for me. all the factions are woefully underdeveloped. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> Every like under like under design and generally, there wasn't a lot of effort put into put into like putting you into the story and oh, making oh, your character seem like they're actually doing stuff. Oh Bethesda, you. Oh Bethesda. <laughs> right, no, 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 we're not starting. We're not starting. We already mentioned. We we talked about this. If we start, we're not going to stop. And I have to eject that in ten minutes. Don't know about the rest of you. Yeah, uh, okay, Bethesda, I got something I want. No, I promised I wouldn't do it. I promised I wouldn't Next do it. stream, we'll have another stream where we can just dunk on every company. Like, we need to reserve like a three-hour stream where we just dunk on every company we can. But for now, we're keeping on schedule. Do we want to we'll never keep on schedule. Do we want to do that, though? Because maybe someday we might want to invite people to a podcast. Because I think Bethesda's about to do... We don't need to be reductive. Yeah, Bethesda's going to release okay. a space game like next year, right? Aren't they? I think. Oh yeah, and the, all right, they're making Starlink, Starlink or whatever it was called. Uh, Starlink, Starlink, Star, whatever. What is it called? Starfield. Starfield. Oh, Starfield. That's been in development just, for like ten years, and just, we've heard nothing of it until just like. Just call it Star year. Void. Just call it Star Void and be done with it. Void Star. Whatever. And be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, the thing I liked about uh, Fallout 4, and I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, this wasn't good, this wasn't good. But when I played it the first time through, big time spoiler, you know, you said, oh, you're looking for your son, you know, and you get to the end of the main quest line and it's, the bad guy that's been killing everybody is your son and he wants you to help out. And I said, I don't think so. See ya, buddy boy. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Games that try and force morality on you, a lot of the times don't do a very good job. 
Most just... of the time they don't. Yeah, a lot of the there times they don't. There are some games where it works okay, and sometimes where it works really well, like Undertale. Uh, for games that work okay. Like Mass but Effect. But also have Mass Effect is exactly what I was going to works say. Works okay. Yeah. It's not great, but it's okay. Right. It's okay. It, it does the job. Can I do a mild tangent? Of course. Games that let you play an asshole need to give you a good reason to do so. So you, uh, uh, so players yeah. actually bother doing it. Yeah. Like, I mean, with Mass Effect, at least with the Renegade path, it's because you're doing things the, the Renegade way, but it's still trying to it, achieve, it's still mostly trying to achieve the same results. It wasn't, yeah, exactly. It wasn't until game two where Renegade interrupts gave you actual benefits, even if it was you start the fight early and kill like three guys before the cutscene ends, which admittedly is still a good benefit. It's, it's still good game design. Or you get to design. punch out a reporter, you know, that or you, particular... get punch, <laughs> or you get to deck a reporter in the face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But, right, tangent over. Go. No, no, it's, it's fine, because I was, I was thinking, because I... Thinking about these games where they make you feel things, a lot of them try to put you in the good guy or the bad guy, like, shoes, like... Mass Effect or um, Infamous or um, Knights of the Old Republic. Yes. And and so often it's like, why would, why? Why would I even bother being the bad guy? Because it's funny? I mean, it's really the only reason, isn't it? Because it's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think game designers don't realize that people typically don't, te- don't tend to play assholes because, like, people... People are only twats if they believe they gain some kind of benefit from it. Like that, people what? like people say, "Oh, he's being an asshole for, for no reason." No, he has a reason. It probably just it he probably just enjoys thinking he's better than you, but it's still a reason. Uh, well, psychologically, it's because most people like to think that they are the good guy. Exactly, and, and that's uh, why the what, 70, 80 percent, something like that, of people who played through the entire Mass Effect trilogy play their Paragon. Yeah, exactly. Like and the that. reason for it is because, like, most people only do terrible, like, bad stuff if they believe it will benefit them in some capacity. And when there is a pure good guy alternative always, uh, then it becomes meaningless. Yeah, I think the only games that really succeed at that are the games where you're an asshole from Jump, and that's the entire point of the game. Like, Independence War 2... Or postal Starfleet Two, Starfleet Two. You are the that's, asshole that's, the entire time. That's true. Starfleet Two. You are the asshole the entire time. Klingon uh, Academy. You know. How um, about the game I stopped playing soon as the pandemic hit? Plague Incorporated evolved. <laughs> a little too close to home. Oh, it's a great <laughs> game, though. It's an excellent <laughs> game. And it's really well, like I stopped it, playing it in the pandemic. Hold on, when did Plague Incorporated really came out? Because like they wouldn't, they couldn't no, know. Obviously, no, no, it's, like, it's, it's been out in 2012. Years. Yeah, it's been out for years, and and to their credit, they also helped uh, raise money for uh, covered research. So yeah, yeah, and also like to fighting vaccine misinformation. But yeah, yeah, yeah Plague Inc. Uh, <laughs> it was it, I, there is an argument that it would inevitably wind up hitting close to home considering <laughs> that global pandemics tend to ha- happen cyclically but still good grief oh man <laughs> well didn't they come out with a version some kind of a mod where it was just like instead of a plague you're trying to cure the like pandemic. social media and you oh, were yeah. trying to like influence the world uh oh. they that's released a, a bunch mode. of like DLCs for the game, and I think that was one of them. Yeah, so they've got challenge modes out for the game where you can sort of play in in a mutator type of thing where the the parameters are different. In one of them, you're actually trying to cure it, and you're sending scientists around the world in order to try to research and cure the thing. Hmm. So that's one of the ones that they released. Um, and yes. Uh, uh, social media is one of the uh, mutator modes you can play through. 
That's I've, I've got another hilarious. one about the you know playing the villain, and I haven't played it. It's one of these games where it's like okay, I, I get all these games free from Epic, and I've always wanted to play it. But you know, I I understand you can play as the Joker in Batman Arkham, right? And, Which one? Uh, the hmm. the the whole the whole Arkham one, the bet the uh, that's full. <laughs> The Arkham Asylum? The first one, Arkham Asylum. Oh, yeah. Arkham, Arkham Asylum, I Right, and I always used to think that the Joker was just this real evil person because, uh, I, and I had no idea that who the animated version was being played by, by, and I said, really? The same guy who played Luke Skywalker? But then two <laughs> things happened. Then they came out with the recent movie that won the award where you saw why. He treated like this. What do you? What? What? At the end of the movie, where they say, "What do you get? Will you cross alone, or with somebody who's treated like dirt?" You know, you, know, you get what you fucking deserve, and he blows the other ho- uh, evening show host head off. But the other thing that Autumn takes <clears throat> what? Nothing. Nothing. No. Carry on. And the other thing was this scene in in the end of an animated. I found out about it, and I watched it just because of this scene I found out about. And there's this scene animated where Batman catches up with the Joker, and the Joker just says, "Go ahead, just beat the hell out of me like you always do." And the joke, and Batman stops, and he says, "No, you know I can help you." And the Joker says, "No, it's too late." And the Joker tells him this little. It's like a dad joke where it says, you know, two guys are escaping from Arkham Asylum, you know, and they get to the roof and one guy jumps and the other guy says, look, I'm not going to make it. And the first guy says, look, I got this flashlight. I'll turn it on. You can walk across the beam. And the first guy says, what are you nuts? He says, what do you mean? He says, I'll get halfway across. You'll turn the light off. And there's this long silence (laughs) and Batman just collapses and laughter onto Joker. And I said, See, wow, the Joker's kind of a a real human. He got a bad rap all this time. There's a reason why he's the bad guy. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Well, that was just the fact that, you know, in games where you know, you were talking about games where there's got to be a reason to be the bad guy, or maybe the bad guy is a bad guy for a reason. Well, the Joker's a bad guy for a reason because of how the world treated him, you know? Yeah. Okay, fair, because I I, I lost the plot slightly there about one th- about two thirds of the way through the round. Well, so that's just me. That's you my know, fault. In the first, in the if you go all the way back to the Batman television show, the Joker's just I, I, the whole thing was just two dimensional, but the Joker is just this kind of crazy and and in the early movies too. But the the recent movie that came out with the Joker and I said, well, you see how horribly he was treated uh, and why he became like he did, and so I liked the way that just in that just in that regard how the joker is portrayed as a real person you know so not every there's a guy bad guy who's the reason for being a bad guy fair enough well uh, it's time to start wrapping up we gotta go um all got stuff to do sorry if y'all uh, before, I know it's before a we do abrupt. that just one quick one i want to throw in here yeah very quick a game that that made me laugh more than any other game I played this year. It's one you streamed, Ryan, because I, I played it before you did. And that would be, well, come on, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Sunshine Heavy Industries. Yep. Yeah. The writing on that game. Oh, brilliant, folks! If you haven't so played brilliant. that one, if you haven't played that one, go get it right now. It's really one of the best games of the year, I think. Um, it is so charming. Oh, it funny. is so be- unbelievably charming and funny. And the it's- gameplay is good too. The gameplay is actually yes. good. Um, I don't even like building ships, but I love building ships in that one. Cause it's kind of a puzzle. It's kind of a Tetris like puzzle, which is really fun with um, no time limits. Yeah. No- it's just you against whatever you against your budget, design- you against the budget. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and so there's really no lose state, and you can take all the time you want. You could save in the middle of it and come back to it. It's great, that phenomenal game. 
Uh, but we have to wrap it up now, y'all. So that's going to do it for us today. Uh, there's not going to be a show next week uh, because Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Uh, next week. And so I'm going to be out of town. Uh, no streams. So no, no, no streams, no podcasts. This is on the calendar, by the way. Uh, if you go to spacegamejunkie.com, there's a calendar that's constantly updated with all the, all the events and everything. Uh, but yeah, no streams, no podcast next week. Uh, so that's going to do it for our show today. Good topic, y'all. Uh, I want to thank everyone in the chat as well. It was a great chat today. And uh, with that, we'll see you next time. Uh, see you back here in two weeks. I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about. We'll figure it out. Um, but have a great day, everyone. And for my Amer- fellow Americans, have a great Thanksgiving. And we'll see you back here in two weeks. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. Bye.